All right. Before we get into the message, I, I want to uh, honor somebody, uh, somebody that you probably wouldn't think I would normally honor. Uh, but this week, uh, we lost Dr. H. Schuler, and um, uh, he meant a lot to me, actually. You might not know this, but I graduated from the Farquhar School of Preaching, which was at the Crystal Cathedral. And um, I, and, and many others, learned how to practically preach through his school, including Rick Warren, by the way. And I don't know what your opinion is of Dr. Schuler, uh, but if it's, if it's bad, I need you to just block that out for a minute. I need you to, um, you know, whatever you think of, of televangelists and them asking you for money, uh, right now that's irrelevant because um, he was a man of God. And what he did something that nobody else did. He had vision beyond his years. Whenever we talk about, you know, the, the seven mountain mandate, he was doing it before anybody else even thought about doing it. Before we uh, decided that maybe we ought to have unity in the church and racial reconciliation, he was putting people of color on national television, and he was in community with them before anybody else could even think about doing it. I remember uh, as a young boy in my grandparents' kitchen, and they would watch The Hour of Power. I always thought it was my grandfather because they looked a lot alike. <laughs> It's like, wow, Grandpa, you have your own show. And, uh, but I just remember that. I don't think about it. At a very young age, that idea of possibility thinking being poured into a kitchen and a young kid hearing it, 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 it did something to me. It really did. Everybody ripped off Dr. Schuler. Rick Warren, Bill Hybels, John Wimber, Bill Johnson, they all ripped him off. They all took his stuff and they just repackaged it. They used their own language, but it was all the same stuff. And he completely changed Southern California, if not the world. And that's a huge deal. I remember being on the campus and you know how you feel the presence of God when you walk into something you could feel the presence of God on that campus. It was really strange. I just remember just walking it, just feeling, you know, just the, the presence of God and the peace. And, and I think probably the architecture had something to do with it, too. He, he had Notra, which was a famous architect in the 60s or 50s, and, uh, and then that big giant crystal cathedral thing, uh, which was Meyer. And they were both world-class architects. No one else has ever done that. He's the only pastor in the world that's recognized by the architectural higher-up of whatever. So he's done something that no one else has done. And his, his, his dedication, his dedication and his desire for excellence in everything that he did, uh, that brought kings to his table. And sometimes quite literally kings to his table. Interesting, huh? But all that we can think about is the great failure of a televangelist. You know, he, he weathered the storm of, um, of the 80s. Remember the 80s? <laughs> Remember uh, Jimmy Swaggart and uh, all those guys? He rose above, I mean, he rose above all that. 
And I was actually in the service when he said, uh, the organ will never go out of style. Well, it did. His congregation got older. And their donations went down. They didn't change with the times. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church now owns the Crystal Cathedral, and it's in really good hands because they're going to take really good care of it, which is a testimony in and of itself. Like, if we don't make it, uh, Wells Fargo gets this place. And they'll, <laughs> you know what? And they're, they're going to tear it down, you know? You know they're, or they'll, they'll put some offices in here or something like that. But the Crystal Cathedral is always going to be there to a, a testimony. Could you imagine Europe without cathedrals? It's a big deal, folks. It really is. And so he deserves our honor this morning. And um, um, he actually laid hands on me and prayed for me. Um, I've had John Wimber pray for me. I've had Bill Johnson pray for me. I've had Randy Clark pray for me. That was interesting. Um, and I had Dr. Schuler pray for me. And it's like, he's a man of God. He is a man of God. Wow. I would rather hang out with a man of God or a woman of God any day of the week than any celebrity or any rock star or anybody that thinks that they're important. I will take that any day of the week. So he was important to me. So I just think that we ought to honor him today. All right. Here's a question for you. What's more important, praying or reading your Bible? <laughs> both. I got a both. I got, I got a both. Praying or reading the Bible? Which one are you going to do? Pray. Yeah? Yeah. I think so too. But it is both. Because what's the whole purpose of praying? We have, a, we have a prayer group, an intercessor group that meets in the Creekside room before we start service. And I asked them, I asked them the question, why do you guys do this? And they said, so that we could talk to God. And it really is that simple, just to talk to God, just to communicate with God. And why read the Bible? So that we could talk to God. Sometimes we don't read the Bible to talk to God. Sometimes we read it for other reasons or to study it, to pick it apart, to prove a point. Um, but it's there to talk to God. On the 17th of this month, it's a Sunday, we're going to be starting a new series. It's going to be a short series. It's only 66 weeks. <laughs> I am serious. You know this is God because I would never do this. There are 66 books in the Bible. And I really feel this strong conviction that, that we as the body of Christ, and probably specifically this church, we need to, I hate to even say this. It, just, it rubs me the wrong way to even say this. But we need to get into the word. I hate saying that. That's why I call it the scriptures. It's a 66 week through the study of the scriptures. Hey, hey. Thank you. Um, let me ask you this. What's the word? 
Is it this? It's Jesus. And this book, from cover to cover, it's all about him. And so my purpose for this whole series is that so that we actually know the major themes of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation so we understand who God actually is. And maybe you had maybe you had this experience when I don't know when you're trying to read the Bible and you open up to a Leviticus and you're like, "Oh, I'm a brand new Christian." And you open up to Leviticus or Joshua or something like that. And he's like, oh my God, this is, what am I signing up for? They're murdering everybody. <laughs> they're, they're just killing people. God's smoking people. What? I don't, it, so we need to understand it in its entirety. It, it, why? Do we even know why God killed people in the Old Testament? We, can you answer that when your friends ask? So we need to know. And we need to know God. And so that's the purpose of it. And so today's message is actually on prayer. It's so how do you actually talk to God? How do, we, how do you know when God's communicating to you through prayer or through the scriptures or through each other? How, how do you know? And are we praying the right way? Do you know how to pray? Look, there are a million different prayer models. There are so many prayer models, I could confuse the heck out of you and I could boggle your mind about how many different ways there are to pray. And in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, his disciples say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. They asked him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. This was not day one. This was not 101. This was not a week into the ministry. They had walked with Jesus. They had seen him do his miracles. They'd seen him pray. They, they, they camped together at night around a fire. And, and, and you know, I'm sure Jesus prayed for the meal. Like if you were at, I said Chili's for service. Let's think of a better restaurant. Give me a good restaurant. Olive Garden. Oh, oh, that's worse. Oh, Olive Garden. No, no, let's see. No, a non-corporate restaurant. Let's see. Uh, there we go. Kickback jacks. kickback jacks. There we go. Let's all I'll go with kickback jacks. You're at kickback jacks with Jesus. Who's going to pray for the meal? I think I'd have Jesus pray for the meal, right? So this is the kind of familiarity these guys had with Jesus. They knew his personality. They knew how he functioned. They knew what he liked to do. They, 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 they were his best friends. And yet they ask him, Jesus, how in the world do you do what you're doing? How do we pray? And these are church kids, basically. They are, they are recognizing that there is a deficiency in the way that they communicate to God. They don't know how to talk to God. Even though they are hanging out with God on a daily basis, they don't know how to communicate to God. And it's a deficiency that we all have. And, and Jesus tells them how to pray. We're going to actually look at Matthew's gospel on this first, okay? So if you want to get your books out, and this is going to be the only scripture that I'm going to read today because I'm going to let you have it on the 17th, all right? Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, 
For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, you have re- they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who, is, who, who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Here we go. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the other gospel says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, that's how he says how to pray. And what's interesting and what has changed with us, what has changed with culture, is when Jesus was saying, this is how you pray, for them, it seemed as if they were talking in an everyday natural language. And when we read this verse, and when I read this verse, it's, it takes on the trappings of religion. Because we, re- we read it with, with religious language or Christianese. And we say, you know, art father out in, he- art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We have no idea what that means. Normal people don't know what that means. So it almost as if we have to interpret it for ourselves. And what we actually need to do is get this prayer and put it into our own language because that's what Jesus was doing with the guys. He took prayers that were highly complicated for normal people and he made them real. And this is how it is going to be real for us. First of all, it starts with identity and it starts with them, actually. It starts with their position on who God is. As we'll see when we get into it in the Old Testament, there's not a whole lot of references to God being our father. Most of the time it is the children of Israel, and that's the main reference. But few and far between is God a father. He is Yahweh. And it's Yahweh or no way is what Colbert says, right? Yahweh or no way. But Jesus is saying, Here's the identity. Here is how you connect. You connect with him as father. Paul even takes it a little bit further, and he says, Abba. When you pray, and you pray with with your spirit through moans and groaning, and you're connecting, and you pray, Abba, Father, what he's really saying, he's stripping it down even further and saying it's on a very primal level. It is not only God the Father, it's closer to Daddy, it's even closer to Dada. It's the first thing out of a baby's mouth. 
which is not mommy, it's dada, right? That's, see, this is what guys work at. Dads work at this. So when mom's like, you know, going to shopping, we're, we're like drilling our baby to say dada first, just so we can rub it in. It's our human nature. But that's the initial connection. And that alludes to who we are in Christ, that we are grafted into the family of God, that, we are, that we've been adopted into his family, that we don't have to be Jewish. We can, we can be just a regular old pagan. How does that feel? You can be a regular old pagan and be grafted into God's family. And so, he's, he, so we're adopted. And we can say, Abba, Father. We can, we can identify him. We, we need to approach him as that type of relationship. And maybe unlike a natural father or a biological father, this father responds. This father loves you. I don't care how great your natural father is. He loves you more than your natural father. And so that's where it begins. It begins with identity, knowing that you are a child of God. And here's where it gets even interesting. You notice uh, our father, and where is he, unfortunately? Where is he? Our father in heaven. Why is he in heaven? Why can't I hang out with God right now? Why can't we just put God on the stage? Why do we have to listen to you, Pastor Josh? Right? Why can't we just put God on the stage? We could, but you'd all be vaporized. Because it's impossible. And that's what Jesus is for. Jesus, and where is Jesus right now? He's at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us. He's praying for us. So when we pray, in your name, Jesus, he's interceding for us. And then we have the third member of the Trinity, the triune God, Holy Spirit, with us right now, living inside of us, functioning through us. That's, that's it's an amazing deal. So our Father who is in heaven, hallowed, there's a great religious word, hallowed be your name. What's that mean? Holy. That means, wow. That means, oh my gosh. Dang. Dang, Gina. Holy smokes. Oh. The creator of the universe where time and space mean nothing to him, where he's every second he's spinning off galaxies, that God wants to know you. Dang. Wow. Really? Really, Pastor Josh? Is that possible? It is. That's what he desires. Hallowed be the name. All right. You might want to write this down. There's two, there's a bazillion forms of prayer. There's a bazillion models of prayer. There's the Jesus prayer. There's the Lord's prayer. There's centering prayer. There's dysfunctional prayer. You name it. There's all kinds of prayer. Um, but there's, I, I believe that there's basically two main branches or two main ways that we do it. One is a... A self-reflective type of prayer. 
like where you are coming to God, and maybe this is where you do it, well, you can actually do both. In your closet, right? In your secret place, in your quiet place, where you're not, you know, it is just you and God. And your, your, your purpose for connecting with God is, is being in his presence. And you are, whether you do it on Sunday or you do it in the morning when you wake up or you do it at night before you go to sleep or something difficult happens and you need to navigate it and your purpose is just to flush out all the static in this world. And you, and you just you just need to be with God. It just needs to be you and the Lord. Do you ever is this just me or is this you? Do you ever feel this way? Where you just need to connect with God, where you need to rest, rest in his presence, or soak in God's presence, where it's almost as if your your very person, your identity just kind of it kind of just kind of goes away for a moment. And you're just you're just God, you have no desires, you have no uh, material attachments, like you just don't care about stuff anymore, you don't care about position or drive or anything, you just want to be in God's presence, because, because you're all jacked up, and you realize you're all jacked up, and you want to find God, and so we turn inwards to do that. Part of that's okay, because that was me. <laughs> Part of that's okay, because we are made in the image of God. Imago Dei, and it's a key theological component. God created us. He created the whole human race. Even though when we'll get into the Old Testament stuff, the children of Israel were God's chosen people. All of the human race are his offspring. And there is this God mark that is on every single person. This is why we've created religions. We're just like, there's just, I know there's some atheists. You know, there's a study done on atheists and most atheists pray. There are a handful of atheists that don't pray in foxholes. But it's like everybody prays. The study came out. I don't know where. I'll get you the study. I'll put it online or something. I should quote my sources, but I didn't. That's why, that's why in the 60s, when they printed on the New York Times, God is dead, um, God didn't die. Because there's this desire. I hate to even go say this. There's that God-shaped hole in everybody's heart, right? I hate to say that, but that's the best I can do at the moment. We just need that. We have a divine connection. It's, it's what separates us. It's the honest truth. It, it's not reason. It's not logic. That, those things don't separate us from the animal kingdom. It is God's spark in our spirit that separates us from the animal kingdom. I guess we're like 1% off from chimpanzees. How does that make you feel today? I don't know how it all happened. Maybe we'll talk about it when I do Genesis. But at some point, there was an Adam and Eve, and God poured his spirit into them. He 
He poured his spirit into them. That's why the human race was able to do what it did so fast in such a short amount of time. There's this mass explosion of intelligence that is absolutely mind-boggling that scientists can't figure out. So you can find God if you turn inside. But here's the problem. Once you begin to um, subvert self-reflection, when self-reflection isn't good enough, when Jesus isn't good enough, you're gonna, you'll, you'll head into introspection where it's all about you trying to find you, trying to find you. And if you keep on going down and down and down, darker and darker into the areas of your soul, you will discover what the Word of God says. This is why you need to know what's in the book. What the Word of God says is that man is desperately wicked in his heart. The very seat of his spirit is desperately wicked. I don't necessarily like this theologian, but sometimes he's right. and Maybe he's, not, maybe he's right at this point. I don't know. But John Calvin says... That the human race is corrupted, is completely corrupted. Maybe you turn on the news and you would agree. That there's no hope. Like we can't fix this on our own. We have to have God to fix it on our own. That's probably true. We need some objective truth to lead us, to guide us, to say, that's not God's voice. Sometimes in our prayer lives, if we are not in the scriptures, if we do not know and understand his nature and character, if we don't understand God, if we don't know God, if we have not read the book and we are in our prayer life, um, we will be talking to ourselves. We will be praying things that we want to hear or we will be listening to ourselves and we'll be listening to the things that we want to hear. We'll be hearing our own voice. And so the other approach to prayer is not an internal subjective search for God. It is a outward search for God. Because where is he? He's in heaven. He is more in heaven than he is inside of you. And so you have, it is the transcendence of God, meaning that he has transcended. He is up there. He is in heaven. And what does the prayer say? The, the prayer says, our Father who's in heaven, God, you're in heaven. You're awesome. You're amazing. Dang. Okay, your kingdom come. So, your, do your will that is in heaven here. Bring heaven to earth. It is... It is a way that we pray that is Prophetic. And again, I, I would say that we need a balance of both. Somebody might disagree with me. But if this internal search for God is a subjective, well, let's just call it a mystical search for prayer life, a mystical prayer life, 
than this connecting with the transcendent God, the God that is outside of you, the God that is out there, the God that is in heaven. If we connect with that, and if we pray that way, it is going to be prophetic prayer. Okay? Uh, David was the best uh, praying guy in the Bible, right? Would you agree? Like every prayer model that you could possibly think of, David did it. Like he went through them all. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Okay? That is a mystic prayer. Because what's, what's going on here? I gotta, David is like, I've got way too much static in my life. I've got way too much stuff going on. I'm running a kingdom. I'm having affairs. I'm killing people. Um, I'm, you know, I built myself a great palace. I put God's ark in a tent. I'm all confused. I'm totally jacked up. Lord, you're my shepherd. Help me unwind. Leave me behind in still water. Restore my soul. Hmm, you see that? We begin to pray that way. Uh, you might even pray in the spirit, as we charismatics call it. And the ultimate form of, I hate to say this, mystical prayer would be speaking in tongues. And Paul even says it. When I speak in tongues, what do I do? I edify myself. But those that speak prophetically, they help, they transform, they change the church, the body of Christ. They edify the church. And so when we pray prophetically, so if you are praying, if you're praying uh, the Lord is my shepherd prayer, you're just relaxed, you're chilling out, you're getting rid of all the material stuff in your life that, that you desire, that you know that you don't need, and you're just relaxing with God, and you're just unwinding. Well, the prophetic prayer is the, is the exact opposite. It is getting in the trenches with God, and it's fighting, for your, it's fighting for your life. It's getting the devil off your back, and it's fighting for your family. So a prophetic prayer is like, I'm going to war. My prayer life is going to war. I am declaring God's victory over my life. I'm not going to allow the devil to rip me off anymore. He has no dominion over my children. I speak that off in the name of Jesus. I speak, I speak healing into my family and into my church. Do you see the difference? And we need a balance of those two. All right. So how do we do it? You just, you just talk to God. David knew how to talk to God. So how do you actually talk to him as if he's in the room? Can you imagine Jesus as if he's in the room? And you're having like a real conversation with Jesus and you're using your real language. How would you talk to him? Like right now. Hey, Jesus, what's up? I, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll get into the 
treating him with respect thing, but how would you talk to him? Would it just be casual and flippant and which would might I don't know, depending on where you're at. Maybe you're in a good place. Maybe you can be with Jesus and just be relaxed and have and enjoy his presence. Maybe tell a joke. Or maybe your kid just got diagnosed with cancer. How would that change? Maybe somebody broke into your house and killed somebody. How would that change your conversation with Jesus? You would be really emotional, wouldn't you? And that's how we ought to be in his presence. Now, a lot of times when I pray, why do we pray? Why do we pray? Usually, that's just our human nature. Why do we pray? Because bad, <laughs> yeah, we're asking them for stuff. Because bad things are happening to good people, and I want to know why. Why are you doing this to me, God? Why are all these bad things happening to me? Now, the, 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 some of the forms of prayer, it's thanksgiving, petition, reverence, awe, right? Repentance. Forgiveness, forgiving others, praise. So those are the types of things that we ought to be doing when we pray. And most of the time, when we enter into God's presence, we are complaining about something. And I think that's okay. Because we are to present our petitions and our needs before the Lord. But there has to be a change, a shift in the attitude of the heart because God is love. And he is in perfect relationship with the triune God. Like, he loves himself. He loves Jesus. He loves the Holy Spirit. They, they're in this, they, they just love each other. So they, God doesn't actually need your love. He created you because... He wants to share his goodness with us. And so, I don't know, let's just say that you have a problem, you have an issue, and instead of calling Jesus, you call on, on your, I don't know, your best friend or your brother or your, or your father, aunt or uncle or your girlfriend or whoever it might be that you can confide in. You have an issue, you're going to confide into your friend. Like, what happens if you spend three hours complaining about your situation? What happens if you're just whining, 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 whining? My life's so miserable. People hate me. God never answers my prayers. Everything's going wrong. I, I counsel people all the time, but at some point, I just can't take it anymore. And I think the Holy Spirit's the same way. It's like, I just, well, because what's the issue? Well, I, I think that it kind of gets into the core of Dr. Schuler's ministry. It's the area of possibility thinking, of breaking ourselves out of these mind traps that we get ourselves in, this pollution in the mind that keeps us from having a real conversation with God. Like, like, we wouldn't treat our best friends, you know, dumping absolutely everything on them for a few hours. And the more we would, why would we do that with God? 
in order to get victory and power in our prayer life with God, it's got to be, all right, God, um, God, you're amazing, wow, you're great, let's bring heaven to earth, uh, the whole forgiveness thing, I did some bad stuff, forgive me of my sins, and oh yeah, I'll forgive those that hurt me, let's take care of that bitterness in my heart, let's do that, um, uh, lead me not in temptation, uh, give me this day my daily bread, okay, so, but you see, where, did, where, does, where does Jesus start off with? Does he start off with complaining? He starts off with thanks. He starts off with awe. He starts off with wonder. And then we get into, give me this day my daily bread. God, would you meet my specific needs that I'm going through right now? The power of prayer is when we can by the grace of God only, because we don't have the ability to do this ourselves, by the grace of God only, we can diminish our issues, the things that are driving us crazy, the things that are making us depressed, the things that are holding us down. If we can diminish our issues, if we could say, God, I'm bummed out, I'm depressed, let's get into your presence. Heal me. I need the joy of my salvation. Uh, get me out of this muck and mire, as David would pray. Get me out of this hole that I'm in, this deep, dark hole. Get me out. Because if we don't move that fast, if we don't move that fast, then, then it's like I say that God doesn't hear your prayers, but it's almost like you just begin to, you, you begin to quench the Holy Spirit. You know what quenching the Holy Spirit is? is when God wants to do something in the room, but there's a bad attitude, there's a bad apple, there's some negative vibe going on, and the Holy Spirit doesn't want to be around it. And so when our prayer life is so negative and so nasty and so bad, I don't, I don't think the Holy Spirit can do anything there. He's listening, but he can't, he can't work with you because you're not willing to work with him. How do we get into God's presence? You enter in through his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That is how you get into God's presence. God does not inhabit the whinings of his people. Thank God. He doesn't. He can't. He just can't live there. All right. Let me just review these two points, and then we'll be done. When we pray, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want an iPhone. Lead me beside still waters. Okay, that is a mystical, it is the eminence of God that we're after, right? And when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that is a prophetic prayer. It's a transcendent prayer. And as we begin to move forward, I want to encourage you. Um, we can start on the 17th, but maybe you want to start sooner. But I want to encourage you to get into the scriptures. 
to know more about God, to know who you're actually praying to, to know who you're actually asking stuff for, to actually know who is going to give you rest and respite. You need to know him. You need to know his nature, his character, his, his love for you. You need to understand that he is love and everything that he does and everything that he has for you is done on that paradigm that he is love. And I want to encourage you this week to know him better. Change up your prayer life a little bit. Think about it. How can I change? How can I pray differently? How can I connect with God differently? Is your prayer life dull? Is it flat? Is it boring? Are you seeing answered prayers this week? If you don't have any answered prayers, I'd say let's do some work. Do a little bit of work. All right, we're done. If I could have the band and the ushers come to the front. And uh, here's a little bit of your homework. I want you to take the Lord's Prayer this week, and I want you to put it into your own language. Actually write it out. So I wrote it out for myself. This is what I wrote. God, once again, you have blown my mind. I can't believe how good you are. Nor could I have even imagined that you would be this active in my life. I know you are not physically here right now, but sometimes it feels like it, and I want more of heaven. Or I want to feel your presence stronger. I want to see more miracles. I want to live a richer life, a fuller life. I'm a little bit okay. I'm a lot stressed out right now about my finances. God, please help me to get my act together. But also, set me up for favor and set me up for increase. I know I got some deep-seated issues of bitterness and anger that is grieving you and is keeping me from moving forward. Help me to forgive. I'm a hot mess right now. Please forgive me. God, I pray that you would not only keep the devil away from me, but transform my character to be a man of virtue, of conviction, and of self-control. Keep that devil away from my wife and my kids. Why, you ask? Because I have experienced your glory and your power, and I want more. All the petty stuff is nothing compared to what I know about you and what you have planned for me. I pray right now that you will grow me up. Amen. So that's the Lord's Prayer in my words. I want to encourage you guys to do the same. God, right now, I pray that you bless this offering and bless this day. And I pray right now that you will just bless Lou Engel and his team and their vision to do something great for the kingdom of God, for their spirit of reconciliation, for their drive for the lost, for their desire to see injustice undone on this planet. I pray right now that you would just bless him and Therese and give them peace, give them rest. Give them your words to speak on Friday. We love you, God. In your name, amen.